Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Mountain Man Dan Show. Finally getting together with my buddy Nick. Nick, what's going on? Oh, not much, man. Just uh, hanging out and blowing stuff up, the usual. How's the how's the weather down there in Nashville? It's not bad. Uh, about 81 degrees today. Yeah, I think we're, uh, we're about 50, mid-50s here, but it's kind of a drizzling rain. Normally, it's fairly dry this time of year. We had a real wet year last year, and I have a feeling this year is going to be real wet again. My driveway's starting to look pretty soggy. I'm going to have to go move my truck here pretty soon before the uh, sucker sinks down out of sight. Yeah, yeah, we sometimes have that problem. We get a lot of rain if you're parking stuff in the yard. The mud here gets real soft, and you'll sink a vehicle in it and never get it out. Well, what happened here is when I cleared the land, we had a little bit of permafrost, and over time, you know, it starts to melt out, and it goes ground. Like, I level all this ground where my house is last year when I cleared the land. It was all level. I mean, just in the last year, I've got about a three-foot hole where it kind of where it must have been a big chunk of ice or something. So my the low spot in my driveway is about three 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 feet lower than the rest of the yard now, and the water just builds up in that damn hole. Right. And uh, I've been meaning to get a couple dump truck loads of gravel on here and spread it out, and I just haven't had time, so it's just sitting on that on the soil. And it's yeah, it's pretty slippery and mucky. It doesn't take much water to get it to where. And even if you don't slip sink any, it's won't get any damn traction on it. So I got I gotta do something about that one of these days, but so been a while since we've gotten together. You know, you had a couple tornadoes down there and a little bit of this and a little bit of that. Yeah, we had the the initial tornado that was really bad that came through Nashville and then, uh, you know, did some damage on the house and things like that. And then we had that second storm, which was just the straight line winds of 70 miles an hour that come through. And, uh, you know, it was right after the tornado when COVID-19 became a thing. And then we get the straight line winds like we just can't catch a break. You'd swear that Tennessee is getting a plague from God right now, or something. Yeah, you you would think with this uh, with this uh, with this virus going around, we would have had more time to do a podcast. But for whatever reason, it seems like I've been even busier than normal lately. You know, trying to get some things done on the house, and oh, I started building this trailer a couple weeks ago, which turned into more of a project than I thought it was going to be. And they always do. <laughs> it, it always is that. You know, what, what turns in from I'm just in a well with a couple pieces of steel together and build myself a flat deck trailer turns into it's like well maybe i ought to move the back from the axles backwards a couple feet and i'll get a little better load balance and ah, i better put hitch on this sucker and i'm gonna go ahead and run some three inch channel iron down the inside of the frame and make it a little stronger and you know next thing i know i went from having a uh you know i was gonna have a 16 foot utility trailer and now i've got a i've got a 20 foot trailer that i wouldn't hesitate to park a one ton truck on so well, but, you know, at, least, at least it's going to be worth it. You know, you got something you can really use and hopefully get decades of, of uh, use out of for not a lot of money invested. Well, yeah, you know, a flatbed trailer, that's something I'll use all the time because, you know, like I run back and forth all across the state for work. And like later on today, my wife and I are going to head back up to Fairbanks to where my camper is for work and we're both going to go. So she needs to be able to drive her car back. So rather, rather than waste two tanks of gas, we'll just load her car up on the trailer and haul it up there. You know, we're building the house. I was borrowing trailers all last year when we were working on bar- building the house. And, you know, that's always a pain in the butt. 
<clears throat> so I've been looking at buying a flat deck trailer like the one I just built, man. You can you can't touch a, a a decent trailer up here for less than about six grand. I kind of imagine that being in Alaska. Yeah, but, you know, when I was down there in Ward Forty Eight, you could get a decent you know commercial belt car hauler for about thirty five hundred bucks, and up here thirty five hundred bucks will uh will get you an old camper that somebody cut the camper part off of and left the original plywood for a deck. I mean, he just completely crap. <laughs> I don't know if I'd put a car on that. No, that's this trailer I started building. It started life as a camper, but I went ahead and stripped it all the way down the frame. And I, I was just gonna slap some two by sixes on it and uh, and call it good. But I started looking at the frame, like, yeah, I might put a little reinforcement here and a little reinforcement here. I was gonna cut it back to sixteen foot, but then I, I ended up just moving the axles backwards a little bit and making it a, make using the full twenty foot. It was a twenty four foot, and I cut it back to twenty. Right. So it ought to be a pretty decent trailer when I'm done with it. I mean, I'm just putting some decking boards on today and then I'm waiting for some stake pockets to come in to weld on the sides for tight ends. should be pretty well done. Right. So, but anyway, since we, yeah, it just seems like, and then our Wi-Fi has been down. That's kind of a pain in the butt trying to do, do a podcast with that. You know, uh, before with my old phone, I could just plug my headset into that. We could record with that. Now I'm using this goofy iPhone. It doesn't have a headphone jack. So I'm not sure how well our auto, audio quality is going to be today, but it started raining on me pretty good when I was out there working on the trailer. Like, you know what? Let's uh, go ahead and see if it'd be even better if everybody would quit blowing me up about coming to fix their car. Let me tell you, <laughs> I've had to. Oh, I, tell, I, just, well, I, I just had what. to push away three texts. Oh my god. <laughs> <clears throat> Excuse me. I've had about four people offer ask me if I don't want to sell this trailer. You know, I've been working on it for the last week or so. And everybody's, hey, you want some of that trailer? I was like, no. Well, you want to build me one? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What uh, what are you carrying today? I am carrying a Taurus Tracker 44 Magnum. Nice. I didn't know if you uh, still had that gun around in the stable or not. Nope, I still got that one. I've got that one. Uh, I've got it loaded up with some 210 grain spear gold dots at about hand loaded over a. Uh, uh, a little bit of Winchester 231 to about right at a thousand foot per second out of that two inch barrel. Oof, that's cooking. Yeah, for a 210 grain, you know, I figure a thousand foot per second out of a two inch barrel. That's a pretty warm 40, 41 special type load. Right. So it'll handle anything I need to shoot up here with it. Yeah, it was a little rainy today and playing around out in the mud. I just didn't feel like getting one of my nicer guns real muddy and dirty. Can't say I blame you. So, yeah, but I still got the old tracker. It's a good gun. It's, you've put a bazillion rounds through it. <laughs> yeah, I've got about. You know, everybody when I bought the tractor, everybody they always that thing's gonna come apart in five hundred rounds, and and I've got about four thousand rounds to it now, and most of them have been. You know, I've run some seriously hot loads through this gun, but I'm used to you know most of my forty four mag ammo was loaded through my Red Hawks. Right. So oh, I got it on hand. I'm gonna go ahead and run it through well, here. If it blows up, it blows up. Uh, yesterday, I shot my friend Lewis's six twenty seven tracker, the seven shot three fifty seven, and he's well north over fifteen hundred rounds to that gun, and it's done nothing but get sweeter and sweeter. It gets it's nicer yeah. every time I shoot it. Yeah, I mean, Taurus definitely has some lemons, but I don't think they're just flat out horrible guns. They're not. They're not. They're not a raven by any means. No. They might be like one step above a Jennings, but they're not a Raven. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's funny. You know, I got a lot of stuff these days, you know, Glock 19, all sorts of old revolvers, tons of single actions. And honestly, the past month I've been shooting nothing but Bond Arms Derringers. I'm, yeah. I have a problem. I'm very strange. 
that's what I'm carrying right now. Um, what's it loaded with? Let's see. It's loaded with Hornady Critical Defense 185 gram 45 Colts. That 40, that, that Hornady Critical Defense. Now I was telling you that about the 45 Colt a while back when we had a listener question about 45 Colt for carry. And you know, because of the because of all how many 45 410s there are on the market now, there is some really good 45 Colt defense, you no know, self-defense ammo. I think more so than what there is off the shelf 44 mag personal defense ammo. No, it's marketed as personal defense ammo, and that that that, that hardly critical defense. Um, when I was carrying, when I was shooting forty five and carrying forty five a lot, I tested a bunch of different ammo, and the one that I came to find that I liked and worked the best for me was Hornady critical defense, or uh, I'm sorry, the critical duty, two hundred twenty five grain forty five ACP. Right. So I'm I've I've been really um, I've been really impressed with those uh, whatever they call that a reverse hollow point or the, the rubber hollow points or whatever they they call that bullet design but they've always worked really well from what I've tested um, and then I think I believe those are lever gun safe as well. So they uh, no I'm carrying hand loads in my old 44 mag they just about you know now that I'm back up here in Alaska you know. Uh, Two-legged critter defense is more secondary concern, so I carry mostly hand loads in my uh, in my guns now. Right. <clears throat> so I had since we're on the subject of defense, I had an interesting uh, day before yesterday. I had a little bit of a uh, uh, why you know in Alaska we like to carry secondary firearms. Right. So um, my wife and I decided to go out fishing. And uh, we went down to one of the local, you know, state park lakes, and it was, man, there was man, Memorial Day weekend. There was probably two hundred people there, you know, just boats all over the place, people lined, no cars lined up and down the road, getting trying to get in and out. And I said, Nah, screw this. So we went and hit up an old logging road, and went in about twenty twenty five miles way back in some old logging road back in the back, and then there was a. <clears throat> there's a lake up there in the back that's about a you know half mile walk in off of one of those side lo- ro- uh, logging roads I know about so we decided to go back there and see if we'd catch any fish and we didn't but I had a I had my I had my Red Hawk on my side but I had my Marlin 44 mag uh, that new production one right and uh, we get well, we get down there do fishing for a little while didn't catch anything so then we uh we will start walking back up toward the truck, and I look back down the hill, and there's a pretty nice old stump down there at the bottom. All made 200 yards away. I was like, yeah, I'm gonna see if I can hit that stump. So I went to go rack around into that 44, into that marlin, and I brought the lever down. And I don't know why. I still, I still, I took the gun apart. I couldn't find anything wrong with it. I measured the cartridge. Everything seemed okay with that cartridge. Um, I'm not sure why it did it, <clears throat> but I went to go rack that lever. And brought the lever all the way to the bottom of the stroke, and the cartridge only came halfway out of the out of the tube. That's strange. Jammed, jammed up tight. Now, I couldn't I couldn't bring the lever back up. I tried to use the only thing I had with me with my pocket knife. I couldn't pull the cartridge out of the tube. I couldn't push it back into the tube, and just completely ran the gun um, unusable. So in that situation, if that would have been a bear, and I went to go rack around into the chamber, um. That could have been bad, you know, and at that point I would have been reaching for the Red Hawk on my side. Well, you know, if you'd buy a Bond Arms Derringer, they're already ready to go. Two shots as fast as you can pull the hammer. The 
You know, a lot of people <laughs> yeah. call it the world's smallest double barrel shotgun. I kind of look at it as the world's smallest double rifle you can put in your pocket. <laughs> you know, you'd be you would be the guy that would get attacked and put a butt stock on one of those things. Uh, well, I'm going to go ahead and say it for the viewers to hear. I, uh, you know, I got this one, my 45 410 that I carry, and I got a 357 38 and uh, a nine millimeter <laughs> way. Um, but I also have on order a cowboy defender the one with the smooth polished trigger and no trigger guard and stuff and those come as a 45 410 but i'm going to take and get another barrel from bond for it i'm going to put a four and a quarter inch either that or a six and a quarter i haven't decided but i feel like the four and a quarter is the best size for these small guns but i'm going to put a four and a quarter inch 44 special barrel on it that's magna ported and uh, i'm going to put the slightly extended wood grips on it that have the pinky extension you know kind of rounds it out with the uh four and a quarter inch barrel and i'm going to load a 240 grain keith at around a thousand feet per second out of that four inch gun and i'm going to do my whitetail hunting with it this year so you actually a four inch that's a, a steel breach that shouldn't really be that hard to achieve because you're not losing anything out of the cylinder gap on there. i'm thinking uh, I'm not sure about deer hunting with a Derringer. You know, I, I liked you up until now. That's that's almost as uh, up out there as carrying a 51 Navy. But um, I mean, it would work. It, it, it shoots out of the bottom barrel. It shoots point of aim, point of impact to the sights. Um, I typically do all of my shots deer hunting with a handgun anyway, 25 yards and in, and with a fully rifled barrel on a gun like that, with the trigger they have and everything, it's pretty easy to achieve a. Sub two and a half inch group at 25 yards and in with one and 44 special definitely has plenty of theme for Tennessee whitetail. I mean, they're, they're definitely not a very thick skinned animal. Um, I mean, I know one guy that's hunted them with 32 special for a million years and another guy that has hunted them with the uh, 25, was it 25, 30? 25, 35. And I know another guy hunts them with 204 Ruger. So, I mean, yeah, I shot one with quite much. I shot it. I don't imagine your deer there in Nashville are too much bigger than the ones we had down in southern Texas. They're, not like, the, they're not like the mountain whitetails, you know, they're more like dogs with antlers. Yeah, but um, exactly when I was down there in Texas, I shot a white tail, a, a, a five by five whitetail with a uh, Ruger single 632 mag. And most people, you know, all 32 mags on a deer cartridge. But I tell you what, when a target of opportunity presents itself, and you know, I was like, it's about a 20 yard shot, and I had the tag, and he was sitting there in my driveway. I was like, well, this is what I've got in my hand, so this is what I'm going to use. I mean, that's plenty. I mean, there's a lot of guys that hunt them with 327 Federal Magnums. I mean, uh, I knew a guy who hunt a deer with a six inch 38 special. I mean, and 32 HR mag is about the same power as a kind of a warm 38 special yeah i shot that one with a uh with a 125 grain hollow point bullet i was playing around with those bullets um you know hand cast soft lead hollow point heavy and i was actually working up a load for it and uh stepped outside and there's a deer i was like well here it goes and um i swear to god he took three steps and fell over i shot him he kind of flinched a little bit. He looked at me. He took three steps and he tipped over, and that was the end of that. <laughs> That'll do it. 
So, so yeah. last night I got on uh, the bull shop <laughs> and became a member. And I posted a, you know, in the handgun section, you know, I was a new member and talking about kind of what I've been doing with some bond arms, derringers lately and 44 special type stuff and 10 millimeter. And I'm pretty sure it was your dad uh, came on and told me about the tent load uh, that he loaded. It was a four, yeah, four case with a 405 grain hammerhead bullet. Uh, I think that's what he called it. And, um, you know, it was one of the bullets he sells and, uh, you know, the powder charge and everything. And he says that <laughs> I'm paraphrasing here, but it would draw blood off of your thumb every time, but it beat getting mauled by a bear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was, that was, I told you the story about him working up those loads before. <laughs> and that was, that was his reasoning before that. I'd rather break my thumb than get eaten by a bear. And he, he was running some full house, 400 grain, 454s out of that little bond. Arms. Well, here's what got even crazier. Then he told me about another bear load. That he did. Well, yeah, it was three four fifty four or whatever <laughs> in a four sixty Smith and Wesson case, and I'm like, this man must hate his hands, just must hate them. Good God, I can't imagine letting one of those rip out of one of these. My dad is a my dad is a he, I, and I, I get it from him. I don't know we're both kind of uh, horsepower junkies when it comes to you know muzzle energy. Um, yeah, that was like horsepower junkies. No, you guys take a top fuel drag car to a parking lot. <laughs> 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 Just yeah, it's, uh, yeah. I I remember when he was working up those loads, man. His his, his he blackened his thumbnail underneath of his under on his on his on his thumb. And it seems to me like that thing stayed black for about three months. I'm sure it did. You're loading a 405 grain bullet into a 454 Casul case and shooting it out of a Derringer the size of a damn LC9. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so for those, for those, I think we've mentioned it on the on the on the podcast and stuff before. But for those who don't know, is my dad is the owner of Bullshot Custom Cast Bullets. Um. Any kind of any kind of special bullets you might need, you know, any alloy, hundred percent custom service. If they don't. He has like three hundred or four hundred different mold designs. If they don't offer a bullet design that you like, they won't. They he will design to your specifications. Um, you know, if you want original Keith bullets or anything like that, you know, he has all the old nineteen twenties ideal molds and all that kind of stuff. Um, no, he'll he'll custom alloy from five Brunel up to like thirty Brunel or something like that. So that bull shop form, that is his, he got tired of all the other gun forms and bouncing back and forth. He said, all right, I'm just going to start my own. So I run that form for him. And it's just a spot where he goes in and talks about his gun projects and uh, gets get together with a few, this, mostly his his closer ring of friends that get on there. So I invited Nick over there the other night. Anybody's free to join the forum, but it's, just, it's, it's fairly slow over there. Well, I tell you, uh, I was kind of looking into what he did. <laughs> I was planning, you know, I got a couple of them Henry single shots. You know, I got a, a 4570 and I got a 30 out six. And uh, I think I'm going to go ahead and get a Henry single shot with a brass receiver in 243 Winchester. And I'm going to, I think I'm going to have the barrel relined. And I would like to convert it to a 221 fireball or a 22 Hornet. 
And so when I do that, I'll start loading ammo for that. And I'm going to get some bullets from your dad. Cause I figure probably no one else in America probably knows how to build a better bullet for a 221 fireball or a 22 Hornet than your old man does. My, my dad, you know, his favorite cartridge is a 22 Hornet. He's got a really nice old, uh, Savage 220, uh, model, model 10 or 110, whatever it is, but three barrel of it. It's got like an 18 inch, super heavy barrel 221 fireball. And I've seen that man shoot some well under MOA groups with cast bullets with that gun, you know. And I want to say he's even got some groups in the, in the sub half MOA. It's a good you know, cartridge. They're unheard of with cast bullets. I mean, the 22 Hornet was the 223 before the 223. <laughs> I mean, you have to you have to ask my dad as you go through that form you can probably find some pictures of it asking him about it sometime. He's got a, a Craig Jorgensen uh old uh, conversion rifle that's from you know a depression era that is converted from thirty forty Craig to a single shot twenty two Hornet with a handmade double set trigger in it. Wow. That's a really neat old rifle. I was gonna say that sounds sweet. <laughs> that sounds like yeah. the kind of shit you see hanging on the, the wall in a gun shop and you just don't even look at the price tag and hand them the credit card. See, this is um this is my dad. You know, my dad and I both like big bores. Um, but my dad's favorite, and I don't really like the small board because I find them a pain in the butt to reload for. Right. But my dad's bread and butter is the small bore stuff. He likes the twenty he has a 22 CCM, if you don't know what that is. Kind of unfamiliar with that one. So, during, I think it was during the 80s when uh, the, the first Rimfire ammo storage, everybody couldn't find 22 Magnum ammo. I was like, oh, I wish there was a uh, reloadable 22 Magnum. So, Cooper brought out what they called it was a Model 37 rifle. Um, my dad has a Cooper Model 37, um, a three digit serial number. Um, they didn't make very many of them, but anyway, they, they built it in what was called the 22 CCM, which is basically a reloadable 22 Magnum. It's a little bit longer, it's a little bit fatter, but basically it's a reloadable 22 Mag. Right. And it was an utter <clears throat> and complete failure because they sourced their brass, their, their original, their initial batch of brass. Well, you know, you know, Cooper rifle, you know, you know, those were not cheap guns. No, they're very expensive. Right. So My friend has a Cooper in 375 H&H, and it's, like, fabulous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so he's got that Model 30. I believe it's the Model 37 and 22 CCM. Um, so the problem with when they built those rifles is they built them, they built them, expensive rifle to begin with. I mean, the ammo was ridiculously expensive, but it was supposed to pay for itself over time because you were supposed to be able to reload for it, right? Right. <laughs> well, their initial brass, they were too brittle, and they were splitting on the first shot. And the cartridge just completely fizzled out and died. They made like they only made like five hundred of those rifles. So uh I'll tell you what, we lost my when we were when I was a kid one time, he lost the magazine for that gun and contacted Cooper and uh Dan Cooper told him, Oh yeah, I think I've got enough parts to make a magazine and quoted him it was like four hundred and thirty dollars just oh for the magazine. God. <clears throat> yeah. Wow. So, uh, needless to say, we spent about a week out there with a metal detector where we'd been hunting at and found that magazine. But, um, yeah, so anyway, <coughs> so now there's a guy in California, um, Schroeder Bullet Works, that makes the 22 Cooper brass and reforms them out of 22 Hornets, you know, trims them down with a lathe and, and then swages them down. Yeah. And that brass, my dad's been getting 50 and 60 reloads out of it. He really likes that. 
and he likes that rifle so much but he actually had a Ruger single six converted to single shot or I'm sorry converted to center fire and then chambered for 22 Cooper nice so yeah that my that's my dad that is my dad's uh He's definitely likes a small boy. Where I'm more of a, I shoot more 44 mag than anything else, you know. And he's he, a, uh, he ought to get him a bond in 22 long rifle and have it reboard to that. You know, um, he actually rebarreled when he was he was trying to get that cartridge to make a comeback here about 15 years ago, and uh, he ordered up quite a few uh, uh, contender barrels in 22 long rifle and 20 or 22 magnum. I'm sorry, and uh, rechambered them and tried to make it, but they never. It never really came back very much. That's a shame. So, I've been meaning to ask you, Nick. It's been a while since we've done the podcast. Other than your Bond arms, have you gotten any other new guns since the last time we got together? Uh, <laughs> yes. A Generation 4 Glock 19. A Smith & Wesson M&P 380 Shield Easy Performance Center. A... Man, this is... New. Man, I really got to think about this. It's the, been a while. The High Point uh, 995Ti carbine. 9mm carbine. Yeah. <laughs> um, what else? Okay. The, uh, also, the so and as far as the bonds go, I got the Rough and Rowdy 45 410. I got the Roughneck 38 357. And on order is a 9mm, and I got a 45 auto Roughneck on order and a Cowboy Defender, and um, what else? I think that's about it. And the Glock 19, I am awaiting a very um, simple and modest rig for from Rob at Simply Rugged. Um, you know, I just went very plain, simple things. You know, just a good, uh, you know, basic working rig. I'm saying that with a lot of, uh, uh, you know, no, it's not simple. It's way overkill. But um, so that'd be good. But honestly, I've... he went. He went. Well, he went for like one step away from having uh, Rob send that thing to Rich up here and have it floral tooled. I mean, he went like freaking balls out on a on a leather cowboy rig for his Glock 19. Yeah, so it's a cattleman holster, which is the leather <laughs> holster, um, and I got it in natural tan with uh, border stamping and all that good stuff and uh, you know it had to be custom made because they only make they offered it for like glock 17 but they didn't have it in for a 19 but rob said he could take care of it so he's taking care of it and i got one of his double mag pouches with the matching border stamping and one of his real man's gun belts uh in the same leather with border stamping and uh, you know it's, you know it's a we... whole ensemble you know your the whole point of you're doing it for my entertainment is trying to piss off the tactards. You know what would be even hilarious, even more hilarious, if you had to make you yeah, a 15 round cartridge slide to put on the back of the belt and put your little nine millimeter cartridges in there. Well, that's genius. I ought to have them make me a cartridge slide to go on the belt that holds nine millimeter cartridges. Yep. I mean, it's useless as tits on a boar hog, but it, it would be hilarious. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah. Honestly. I've been really shooting the crap out of this Bond Arms Derringer. I got it originally as a novelty, and I'll I'll totally be honest. The reason I got one is because one of my heroes always <laughs> did trick shooting with, which is Bob Munden, and uh, and I kind of thought about getting a Derringer. But when you look at Derringers, you always see like the pot metal Cobra ones, which are like garbage, 
or you find like the old American Derringers and they're like a million dollars when you find them because they don't make them anymore. I know you birdie made a couple that were like, you know, very Remington 95 ish. Uh, and they're more like the American Derringer type stuff, but you know, those, you got to pull the half cock and if you slam them closed loaded, they go off and you know, all that stuff. But you know, I'd noticed Bob Munden had done a bunch of videos for bond arms and I always thought the bond arms guns were cool, but they were always at a price point that was like, why am I paying $650 for a two shot gun? I just could not justify it when that money would buy me like a 44 Magnum super Blackhawk. So I was like, you know, I don't know, but then they came out with the, uh, the rowdy and the roughneck series, you know, which are a less finely polished model, but internally, and from what I can tell on fit and finish are just as good as any of the other ones. And, uh, at that price point, I was like, yeah, I'll give one a try. And, uh, cause you know, Bob Munden always used to say, you know, for the bond arms derringer, there is a difference. So, and I think there is, uh, even with this gun, you know, you have to understand that the 45, 410 stuff, will never be quite as accurate as a straight 45 Colt because you have uh, a longer chamber. It's essentially like having a revolver with four forcing cones to jump because, you know, you have to have enough chamber for the 410. And uh, typically the rifling in them is not as uh, deep and stuff, you know, because you're shooting shot shells out of it. But uh, I must say that even at, 10 and 15 and 20 yards, I can still group 45 Colt 250 grain lead out of this thing in under four inch groups, which doesn't sound that great. But the next time you go in a gun shop, pick up a bond arms derringer, like a two and a half or a three inch barrel and put it in the palm of your hand and look at it. And then you'll see why that's such a big deal to be able to shoot a sub four inch group with a halfway rifled barrel. Um, the trigger took me a while to get used to. I swore up and down. It had like a 30 pound trigger. It turns out that the trigger operates a different way than most guns. I'm looking at mine right now. It actually, when you pull it back, it hin- it actually hinges at the top, almost like a revolver, but it rotates down because of the way the, uh, the action is. You actually are sliding your finger across the face of the trigger because the trigger moves down as it moves back. So if you try to pull straight back on it, you'll just sit there and pull the front barrel down, swearing that, like, it's got a 30-pound trigger. But once you actually, for one, you got to hold the gun correctly. You actually have to grip it a little lower than what you would think you should um, because if you touch the back of the hammer, it makes the trigger pull even heavier. But if you have your hand correctly around the gun and you squeeze the trigger correctly, it actually only has about a five-and-a-half or six-pound single-action trigger. And it's actually really easy to hit shit with it. Um, I've been shooting a lot of like yesterday. I shot 120 rounds of the 410 stuff in it. The 60 of them were the Hornady Critical Defense 410s, and 60 were Winchester PDX1 Defenders, which are the three plate slugs and or the three plates with three balls behind it. Of course, the Hornadies are like an FTX bullet with balls behind it. And then I shot, you know, close to 180 rounds of uh, 45 Colt through it, all 250 grain lead. And, you know, all these people say the gun recoils hard. It recoils a little bit with the 410. But honestly, um, I have shot small 38 specials that were far more unpleasant than shooting full house 45 Colts to this gun. I just can't believe how accurate it is. The only issue I've had with it, I'm, I'm a little over 650 rounds, probably more because I've kind of lost count. But the only issue, and this is the issue I told you about yesterday, I handed it off to a friend. He cocked the hammer, squeezed it. 
it goes off <coughs> and squeezes it. The hammer drops and it goes click, and then the gun wouldn't open. And we found that once I got the gun open, one of the primers had fallen out of the case and had lodged itself in the action. But it's done that once. I think that's definitely ammo related. Nothing to do with the gun. Um, other than that, I and I had to the the trigger guard came loose. I had to take the screw out, clean everything with alcohol, put blue Loctite on it. Happy meal after that, no issues. Um, they're probably not for everybody. I you know as far as a primary carry gun, but if you set it up right, they're really not bad. I'm carrying mine in a. Uh, Rob built me one of his pocket protector pocket holsters from Simply Rugged there. And I, I don't quote prices on stuff like this because they always change. But uh, his pocket holsters are extremely well-priced, um, and they're real quality. They actually stay in the pocket, and they actually provide a smooth draw for the gun, a consistent draw. And I have one of his 2x45 ammo pouches. And uh, I posted a, a video yesterday on the Mountain Man Dam show uh, page yesterday, and you can see that it's actually quite efficient to reload when you have the correct setup. Um, and when I carry it, I put one of the Hornady critical defense four tens in the bottom barrel, which is the first shot and follow it up with a 45 Colt in the top barrel and all subsequent reloads are 45 Colt. Cause I figure with a two shot gun, you know, having a self-defense grade four ten at close distance is going to make that one shot count quite a bit because you have one 41 caliber FTX bullet with three buckshot balls behind it. And God forbid you need a second shot after that. And then I go right, the 45 Colt I carry, and it's a 185 grain Hornady critical defense. I go with it just because the self-defense ammo tends to have more reliable primers. And for the court side of things, the legal side of things, I always like to have a modern expanding style bullet being here. <coughs> now, being here in liberal Nashville, you know, yeah. any little bit helps. But I can't I think, say enough good things about it. I mean, it's a good American-made gun. Uh, I'll just quote prices now. I paid three ten out the door for the rough and rowdy, and uh, my local dealer really hooked me up on the three fifty-seven. I paid. You know, take a guess, Daniel. How much did I pay for the three fifty-seven roughneck? Oh, was it less than forty-five Colt? Yes. About two eighty-five. Two fifty-nine out the door. That's not too bad. I was going to tell you, I think you're going about your loadout wrong on this uh, Derringer, though, though. I think he ought to have uh, one of the bull shot Bear Buster 300 and, or three triple round balls in that first barrel. And then a I think you're right. I think I'll put that in there. And then the heavier recoiling top barrel, I need to put the 405 tent load yeah. in it. That, that's what I'm right. saying. I think right. I put that triple round ball in the bottom barrel and that 405 Bear Buster in the top barrel and uh, let yeah. it rip. And I think I'm going to have a barrel made up for it in 444 Marlin, and that'd be a good hideout gun. That's more, well, that way when the bad guy, you know, is hiding behind an armored truck, you can still right. get him. I mean, if, da if Daniel had his way and he came into money and he bought the Bond Arms factory, the only thing they would probably sell would be 44 Magnums, 444 Marlin, and then they'd probably offer one in 577 Nitro Express. So, you know, just. I don't think 45. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'd have to do a. I think I'd have to do a Quigley tribute and have a forty-five one twenty as well. Yes. Oh, on a serious note, they really ought to come out with a forty-one Magnum. That way, all the forty-one special guys can load their forty-one specials for one. But I see why you couldn't do it because every idiot would be putting forty-one Magnum bear loads in it and then wondering <laughs> a hole in their hand from a hammer spur. Yeah. What um? 
So you were talking about your new guns. I think I've gotten a couple new guns since the last episode as well. Um, number one and most interesting being that Marlin Classic 3220. That is my favorite new gun you've got. Like that rifle oozes class. And if I had to go somewhere up in the mountains where I was fur trapping and doing a lot of hunting and I had to pick one of your rifles and not one of mine, I would be grabbing that 3220 before I'd grab anything else. Yeah. So that's about the recoil like. Oh, it's it's like it's like it's like shooting a twenty two. And what's the accuracy like? Um, I haven't gotten the chance to work up any loads with it, but um, accuracy is decent. With uh, I got two hundred rounds of factory lead ammo with it. Right. Actually, I take that back. Two two boxes of it were factory lead, and two boxes were factory jacketer. Um, I only shot like five rounds of the jacketer. It was actually pretty accurate. The uh, the factory lead ammo was only about two inches at twenty five yard type accuracy, but. Right. You know, it's, it's a minute of rabbit for sure, but I've got a, here a while back, I got about 700 bullets for it, uh, various cast and some jacketed, um, and I was meaning to work up some loads for it, but by the time my dies showed up, I'd already started work, I mean, over the uh, last, this four-day weekend I've had, this week I've been busy working on the house and stuff, I just haven't had time to work up any loads, but, <coughs> excuse me, yeah, with the uh, factory ammo, I mean, it, it's usable accuracy for sure. Well, and one other question, because I've never shot an actual 32 lever action. I have an old Smith and Wesson hand ejector in 3220, but you know, one thing I always wonder about rifles, because when I think of rifles like that, it's something that I may be in in the wilderness with for two or three weeks at a time, and there are going to be times when you know you're going to have the safety Nazis that are going to start yelling and screaming right now, but you typically aren't going to wear hearing and eye protection. If, you know, a target of opportunity pops up, what would you compare the report to of that 3220 to say a 3030 and say oh, way, an equivalent 243 Winchester in a bolt action? Way, way less. Um, you know, 3220 is a black powder round, so it's, it's actually fairly low pressure. This factory ammo with that 105 grain or whatever it is, lead ammo. Right. Um, it's about like shooting a twenty-two, uh, like like a standard velocity twenty-two long rifle. So it doesn't have the sharp crack. It's just kind of a soft. No, I shoot, man, I've been shooting squirrels around my place with this thing, and yeah, I mean, without hearing protection. Oh, there's a squirrel. Gotta go shoot him. Grab the rifle and go, you know, go take care of business. And yeah, it's it's about the recoil report with the, uh, you know, it's uh, subsonic. Um, nice. Like it's about like a. It's about like it's about like a twenty-two uh, long rifle standard velocity, right? So yeah, it's, it's real pleasant to shoot. I I outfitted it, you know. Obviously, I put a skinner rear sight on it. You no, know, you know, best best uh, lights in the industry for a lever gun. Yeah, you know, I, I had the factory buckhorn on, and that's the other thing. I haven't done any accuracy testing with it since I put the skinners on. I sighted it in, and then I was going to start working a load and just didn't get time. Right. So all my all my accuracy testing was with the buckhorns, and I actually don't like buckhorns. I have a really hard time shooting buckhorns. Me neither. The Henry single shots come with them, and don't get me wrong, I applaud Henry for a sub four hundred and fifty dollar rifle. You know, most rifles come to us with drilled and tapped for scope mounts, and you gotta go spend another bunch of money on optics. So I'm glad that they give us buckhorns and a gold bead front sight. That's great. We have some usable sights on the gun, but beyond that, yeah, buckhorns. I don't shoot them very well. Yeah, I don't like. I don't like buckhorns and I don't like gold bead front sights because I have a, with a gold bead with a round sight and a, and, a, and a sight like that, I just have a hard time. And, you know, I've got good eyesight, but I just, it seems like I have a hard time getting the sight 
you know, it, it might just be I haven't really practiced with them that much. Well, practice. I'm the I same way. Them. I'm the same way, man. When I run a gold bead or a dot, like a ivory bead, I got to have a, a shallow V, like pretty much like a Mark Sullivan style, extremely shallow V, almost flat yeah. rear sight with an alignment notch. That, that's See, I like, how I got to run it. Yeah, when it, and when it, come, when it comes to iron sights like that, I prefer a, a square notch in the back and a square front. Right. You know, I can shoot a square notch and a square front really well. Um, gold bead and a buckhorn, eh, not my favorite. But anyway, the the, the, the gold bead with the, with, the, with the peep sight, though, is no problem. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, so I got that one. Rona, is that you? <laughs> oh, I've got, man, I don't know what it is with, with, uh, with how much snow we got this year. And then the way it melted off in the streets all sprung out i've got the worst allergies this year like you would not believe so i've been i've been coughing up along all week you run a favor <laughs> no i'm not actually well don't worry they did test, they did test me because i'm coughing at work and everybody's freaking out so they uh i had to go get tested and i was i was fine oh, okay that's what we all say at work now whenever we sneeze or cough it's always <laughs> rona is that you <laughs> yeah, see, over over here at my job, we just I can't I can't use the uh, I can't use the exact terminology, but you can know working working mechanic mechanic shop. It's uh, we'll just use our Samuel Jackson. Right? So six feet. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, six feet, mother forker. <laughs> Do you speak but, it? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so we got that Marlin thirty two twenty. Um. I, I didn't really get a screaming deal on that one. I paid six hundred for it. It doesn't matter, man. That that's like I a lifetime heirloom rifle. I I walked into the gun shop. I I, I actually so this next time we're going to talk about. I bought this one. Got delayed on the paperwork because everybody buying guns with the coronavirus going around. And uh, I went back in to pick it up, and that thirty two twenty had to come in. I had to have it. I slapped the money down on the table right there, and uh, had put it and, and picked it up. So the the other rifle I picked up is I got this Ruger American 223. That's a nice little rifle. Yeah, I mean I I have I've had a couple of the other Ruger American. I consider the Ruger American to be the Remington 788 of today. You know they were designed to be a budget gun. Um, but they're not. I'd say it's better than a Remington 788 in a lot of ways. Ruger builds a really a gun with a lot of longevity is what I'll say about the Rugers. They they last a long time. Yeah, this one here is one of the it's one of the early ones, so it's got the plastic uh, plastic rotary magazine. It doesn't take the AR mags like the newer ones do, but it's still a pretty decent rifle. Um, it it's got a uh, it's got a, uh, a Vortex three to nine like a Crossfire two or something like that. A bipod that had a muzzle brake on it. Nice. Um, it still it still has the sticker on the stock, so I really don't think it's been shopped that much. Um, and I gave three hundred bucks for that one. No, that's not bad. You didn't get hurt. <laughs> and then, um, what else did I buy? I bought that. I bought that Smith and Wesson VD uh, SD9 VE. That's been a great gun too. I, I saw the stippling and the texturing you did on the grip. That looked really good. Yeah, I still, I still got to finish that up. It's sitting up in my camper in North Pole right now. That's where I've been my after work evening project. You know, put a few more lines on it. It'll, it'll get done here pretty soon. But yeah, that's been a decent little gun. You know, I uh, as I like to call it, the Glock uh, Glock 19 Mark II. Yeah, pretty much. But um, I'm probably if I, if I end up keeping it, I, I got a coworker that kind of wants to buy it since I did the stippling job, and I've been 
him and his Hondas. He offered me about 150 bucks more than I paid for. I forget what I paid for that one, like 220 bucks or something like that. And he's offering me 350. So <clears throat> I'm, I might end up selling it to him. If I don't, I'm probably going to go ahead and put an Apex trigger and that kind of stuff in it. Right. Um, and then, so I got that Ruger American, I got that SD9, I got that 3220, there's something else. I, oh, I got that, uh, and I think I talked about this one on the show, but we haven't talked about it together. I bought that Ruger Mark IV. Yep. And don't forget your 458 lot. Oh, yeah. I guess that, that one doesn't really count, but I already sold it. Oh, already? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I got it. I had that Ruger M77, um... Mark II 458 lot that came into my hands for uh, an unrefusable price, and um, I uh, I already have a 458 Win Mag. I don't really need both. Um, I like I probably like the Ruger a little bit better, but I put both of them. I put both of them up for sale local. Like whatever one sells first, I'll keep the other. And uh, the the lot the lot ended up selling first. That that's fine. You know, I've already got a bunch of loads worked up for this 458 Win Mag, and I like it pretty well. <clears throat> so I never even I never even shot that lot um, with actual lot ammo. I just run through some of my 458 loads through it to see. Oh yeah, if if yep, it shoots, and then I uh, I turned around and sold it for about 400 bucks more than I paid for it. That ain't too bad. So, yeah, so you're talking about your Marlin, man. If you're listening, Bond Arms, you got to make a 3220. I've always thought they should make a 32 mag. They do. They make they, a three, they yeah they offer a three twenty seven federal magnum barrel so of course you shoot three twenty seven federal thirty two H and R mag thirty two long and thirty two short. Now honestly, I think because thirty two twenty being black powder, that three twenty seven federal is actually just a little bit hotter. Let's go over here to my reloading bench here, and I'm gonna grab. The- yeah, but it you know I'm I'm kind of a, a nostalgic man. And I would rather be on the side of the barrel instead of it saying 327 fed, I'd rather it say 3220. You know, that's just like sexy. I just walked over here and I grabbed my Lyman 50th anniversary or 50th edition reloading manual that's been used so much it duct taped back together on the bindings. Let's um, let's take a little look-see here. Let's go to 3220. Let's see if they have 3220 in the pistol section. They do. Okay. So we got 32 H and R Magnum. We'll go with a, you know, we'll go with a 90 grain bullet just to. Oh, my wife is home. Hello. Hi. Doing my podcast. Oh. Yeah. So anyway, 32 H and R Magnum, 100 grain bullet. We'll just say 100 grain bullet. Um, what's the barrel length on this? Five inch barrel. 100 grain. Our our hottest load of 32 H and R Magnum is 935 foot per second. Hmm. So then we'll go up to 3220 with a 100 grain bullet, and our hottest load is 938 foot per second. Not bad. So 935, 938. So I mean we're already right in the same. And the barrel length on that one was a six and a half on the thirty-two twenty. Um, but it was a Ruger Blackhawk, so there was a little bit of a cylinder gap there. Having the three twenty-seven Federal with that hundred grain bullet, whoo, we are fifteen hundred fifteen hundred and seven foot per second is our hottest load. It's pretty hot. 
So yeah, we're definitely we're definitely cooking. So as as cool as the thirty two twenty Bond Arms would be, that three twenty seven Federal is uh, probably a little more practical. Probably, but I would probably argue with a four and a quarter inch barrel non ported with a thirty two twenty, it would probably be a very pleasant gun to shoot. It it would be. That's one thing I do like about the thirty two twenty in the rifle. You know that. You know, thousand foot per second. It's it's very uh, modest on the recoil, and uh, well, not like a three twenty seven would would really recoil that much anyway. But it's very modest on the on the report. You know, it's just now, like I said, it's about like this. May be hearsay. It may be BS. I don't know the person that well, but someone I I see at our local gun shop a lot. We both talk African hunting all the time, and. He's a double rifle guy, and he hunts everything with a 450 or a 470 Nitro Express double rifle. Well, mm-hmm. he had a really nice old—I uh, can't remember what it was—but <laughs> a really nice old hammer gun, old 20 gauge hammer gun, uh, made it up into a. Or no, it was a 410. It's a 410 hammer gun. He had made up into a double rifle, like had yeah. barrels built for it and everything for his wife. To shoot, you know, you, we have the big five in Africa, but then you have the tiny 10, you know, the real small animals. And his wife has this little 410 hammer gun, they say, and it is a 3220. And he says it has no recoil, and she hunts the tiny 10 with it every year. So, yeah, that would actually be, that'd be a lot of fun, actually. Yeah. So the 3220 rifle with that same 110 or 100 grain bullet, their maximum loads are showing a hottest load of almost 1,400 foot per second, 1,387. So it is a little more potent out of the rifle. Probably. But, you know, our average our average starting loads are right around 1,100 foot per second. Right. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm real excited about that little 3220. When I first got it, I thought, you know, my wife would enjoy shooting them and she could, uh, you know, practice and shoot that and carry my 44 mag, you know, during hunting season and, you know, inside of 100 yards, you whack the moose with a 300-grain flat nose, and then I followed up with the 458. I don't see any reason why that wouldn't work pretty well. Right. So, um, yeah, I'm real, real, really excited about that one. But I've been shooting that. Well, I told you how – I think I told you on the phone about that Mark IV, how I was irritated because I couldn't find 22 ammo right after I bought it because of the coronavirus. Right. So, I finally did, I finally did get my hands on a case of 22, and I've run about – three or four bricks of ammo through that little 22 now and it's definitely becoming a favorite um you know i've always been a fan of the mark one mark two pistols i didn't really like the mark threes because they went to that button style safety on them and yeah not a fan of that yeah being left-handed when i'm trying to rip off a few rounds real quick like when i was shooting steel challenge and stuff um <coughs> excuse me i found problems with the safety writing on the web of my hand and clicking the safety on mid 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 string so right. I didn't really like that. They went back to the they went back to the to the flapper style safeties on the Mark IV, and it's definitely a much better design. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of with you on that, and uh, you know I'm thinking about kind of getting more into 22 shooting here soon, but you know mine's not going to be that. <laughs> It'll be a Bond Arms with a four and a quarter inch 22 long rifle barrel on it. Yeah. I um you know I wasn't really looking for a 22. I don't really shoot that much 22. I uh. I bought that Mark IV because I've been wanting to play around with one. And I, um, because, you know, they they, modif- they they redesigned that takedown on them, 
and supposedly they're supposed to be a lot easier to take apart and put back together. I uh, I don't really find it any more convenient. I never had any problem with the old style. Um, so I don't really find the, the newer style to be that much more of a convenience for the takedown put back together. But um, as far as I mean, the trigger is definitely not as good as my old Mark II's. But, you know, I paid like, I think I paid 249 bucks for that gun new out the door. I couldn't turn it down for that. So I bought it and it's sitting there. And I, like I said, I ran a couple bricks through of ammo through it and it's been sitting there ever since. It's like a 3220 now and I shoot that way more. Right. So, but anyway, Nick, I think we ought to start trying to get this one wrapped up. My wife just walked in the door and I was supposed to be working on stuff and I'm not. So I'm kind of getting that look. So I probably ought to. Doesn't look like it's gonna quit raining, so I probably just need to man up and go ahead and go out there and putting <laughs> all right. On my truck. Swap tires. I gotta put different tires on my truck and stuff. No, I got I got a Plymouth Duster out in the garage. It needs a little bit of attention too, so I totally get it. Yeah. So, alrighty. Well, hopefully we can get back together here. Um, you know, we'll, I'd like to try to stick to that like that weekly episodes like we were doing for a while, but. It's probably going to be a bit slower than that with going into the summer work season for for, for me. But we'll uh, we'll get together when we can and get the next episode out. But um, I do appreciate everybody taking the time to to tune in and listen to the show. I'm sorry about the audio quality working with an iPhone today. Um, I just happen to use the iPhone speakers because I don't have a headphone jack on these stupid things. Right. Uh, but other than that, I think uh, I think this, we're ready to wrap this one up. And, and uh, one other thing. In the meantime. You need to go get you a Bond Arms Derringer. I really want to see you load up some Congo loads for it. Just throwing out there. Just you can pick it up what I'm putting down if you want. I'm just saying. I think it'd be really how about cool. how about this? How about a 450 Alaskan? Oh Jesus! I didn't mean to go that far with it. I, I'm <laughs> talking about like a warm 38 or you know something a normal human being would do. Maybe I'll buy one of those uh, Stoger 12 gauges, whack it off at six inches, put a pistol grip on it, rifle the barrel, and I'll go back to load my old 700 grain, uh, my old 700 grain uh, hard cast 12 gauge slugs. Well, you know, I was going to mention Bond Arms says, you know, they got the Roughneck Auto, the 45 Auto model, and they're like, I can get that same one for 259. And they used to offer what was called a a four. what was it? A 450 Bond Super? <laughs> a 45 Bond yeah. Super, which is a 45 auto case with a really light bullet, and it's like screaming at like 1800 feet per second. And I see things yeah. in the instruction manuals like, uh, you know, avoid plus P ammo, but you're good to run 45 ACP, 45 Super, and the 450, you know, Auto Bond or whatever it was, Bond Super. You need to get one of those cheap, rough neck 45 autos, and you need to load some, since it's not a semi auto. You need to load some 45 Super with like some 255 grain flat nose Keith style bullets in it, dude. And because only you, you're the only person I know that could probably make that cartridge in that gun be an absolute bear slayer. I'll have to, I might have, if I could find one, man, them guns are expensive as hell up here. But if I found one for a decent price, I might pick one up and play. Maybe I'll see, maybe I'll see about maybe. Maybe I can get my guy to transfer your guy one, and we'll see if we can, you know, maybe I can help you out. Yeah, we'll work something out. But, yeah, I've been – it would be it would be something fun to play with, but I would too. I would, I would got – as a matter of fact, uh, I might have to send these to you. I think I have a box over here 
of our of my dad's 400 grain um wide flatnose let's see where is where did those go i know they're over here actually they might be out in my truck still but anyway i have a box of those 405 grain wide flatnose bullets that he talks about for the 45 454 kasuo out of that little thing um <laughs> I, might have, I might have to get full I'm I'm all for it. I think you should. Yeah. So, well, all, right. all right, Nick. Let's, we'll go ahead and wrap this one up. And uh, again, everybody, thank you for tuning in. And we will catch you on the next one.